Lord our God. And to our Savior Jesus the Christ. Thank God for Jesus. The Holy Spirit, our God and our comforter, to whom all honor is due tonight. in that regards with God, but yet still acknowledge him on some level. The essence of all of it is, whether saved or sinner, at some point, most of us pray. And prayer, real prayer, is personal. That's why he oftentimes say that when you pray, Go into your secret place, your closet, wherever your secret place is. Not to be seen of men, and not to be distracted by men or any other distraction, but rather to focus in on both hearing from him and talking to him. So there's a conversation going on in prayers. If it's ever a monologue, either way, somebody is not included. So if God is just talking to you, then you're not really listening. But if God is just, if you're talking to God, but you haven't even acknowledged him on that core level, on that basic level, then you're really just kind of having a conversation on dialogue to yourself. God desires real prayers, but in the midst of our prayers, and thank God that they're secret because we don't have to answer to what might be our concerns to other people, but rather it is intimate with God. So in the process of praying and over the years of praying, our lives have a tendency to reflect in our prayers certain questions that we have of God. And these are questions that we may or may not ask in the presence of other people. But inside of us, there is just this hunger and thirst. There is this anger, this emptiness at times that wants to be filled. That wants to hear from God. And sometimes people lose their faith or trust in God because they question whether there is even a God. I mean, because in our lives, our intellect battles with our faith. And the enemy uses our intellect to his advantage. 
because that's when he uses the temporary things around us to suggest that they have some eternity to them. That's when he causes us to be scared, like the Booger Man, and things that are that might happen. Fear, as we talked about on last week, which is fake evidence actually real. But the devil can make it seem real. And through all of our lives, in our walk with God, in our hearings of God, questions come that we have that even at an old age we carry with us but sometimes they never are answered it's almost a botheration in your spirit because you know you, you try to get some kind of understanding but you realize it may be too large for your mind to, to grasp God, for whatever reason, never told me why. He never told me what. He never told me when. He never told me how. All of these questions. And so I want to say this in a general sense because specifically all of us on some level have gone through this and may go through this in the future. But don't worry about it because the Bible is full of people who have struggled with questions themselves. Tonight, I'm going to tell you that the old people say that you never question God. Never question God. But mm. I hear that, never, you never question God. Is that to say you never ask God a question? Or are they saying you never question what he's his authority, his credibility. What is what is the real basis of why they tell you you never question God? Because he does say make your request known. And it is his desire that he is clear and not chaotic or not some kind of gray area God. Because his word is fire. And so if he expects us to follow his final word, then certainly he wants that word to be clear to us. So we have questions. But what if I suggest to you tonight, we have a thousand questions, and our questions, if God answers it, it leads to another question, and another question. And so every answer that he gives us provokes within us a hundred other questions and a thousand other questions if you really don't want to hear his answer. Mm -hmm. I'm saying all this to lay the groundwork for the night, the course of Bible study. An old dusty box sitting on the shelf for a long time. I bring tonight in this box. Our questions. <laughs> what if I told you you're not the only one who has questions? What if what if God has questions? You think? He knows. He has questions. Yeah. Does God ask questions? Yes. Sure. Mm. I think he say, oh, why did you do that? That depends. Read it all in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends. Yeah. That depends. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. 
was it Joe? Where were you? When? So he did ask the question. Ah, so the Bible does. You know what? How interesting it would be tonight. But he already knew. How interested tonight in some of the questions that were in the Old Testament. If they were asking you tonight, I wonder how you would answer. Well, getting a little scared. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know who was going to be here tonight. And I don't know, well, who might just get one question. This box has at least 12 questions in it. Eight, six, eight, ten, twelve. Oh my. Over two. Each one of you will be assigned two questions tonight from out of this box. You have the challenge to be the authorized attorney for the client who was given this question in the box. I will make myself available for you for a period of time to be able to address your questions, give you some context. You have the Bible in front of you. I will give you also the supporting scripture of the question. We did this before. You never did this. <laughs> you came out with some questions and I ain't lying. Minister Antoine got it. He had to leave. Somebody else got it. And they had to leave. And the question was really meant for me. I don't know. Man. What question you might receive tonight. But it opened up some See? doors and it got rid of some stuff. I'm not going to give you yeah. any questions tonight. But I'm going to let you help answer. I'm giving you the first two questions that I pulled out of my hand. I'm not even looking at the question. Don't worry about my handwriting. I'm going to translate them for you. It's written in chicken scratch, but I'm a good interpreter of that chicken scratch because I happen to know the chicken well. <laughs> or at least I think I do. Oh, I wish y'all well. Your goal tonight is to be able to answer the questions <laughs> that are assigned to you. Please take the time to learn your client, consider and think about their position. The supporting scripture is chicken scratched. Underneath it, three parts to each entry. First entry is the actual question that's asked. Second entry gives you a little small understanding of who was being addressed and perhaps why they were being addressed this question and then the final is the referral scripture uh, at the bottom your process is going to be one you should turn to that particular scripture for that particular question so that you'll be able to actually read the question that's in the in the in the writing in the bible and I want you to take the time to look at the supporting scriptures around it. 
to give you greater context, a bigger picture of the content, which is the smaller picture, so that you can have some kind of understanding of what's going on. Much of this is familiar to some of you, and so you have the privilege to be able to speak from your base of knowledge and understanding of the text and of the situation. But I'm going to need you to answer on the behalf of your client who is in question. Hmm. <clears throat> Can't read this one. Right. You need my glasses? I'm going to read it out now for you. Just these two. I'm here. Oh, the writing. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand these two words. I don't understand the music. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? <laughs> this was given to Job in the midst of his struggle. Where were you? When I laid the foundations of the world. I am going to also tell you that while I will ask each of you each question, I would have some supporting questions that may come from my questions or from your answer. I'm going to need you to be prepared to answer on the behalf of your client who sits in spirit needing some backup. that I will be doing also is in as we go along for not only those who are present but for those who might be vis visiting by social media is I'm going to be providing some insight on uh, the situation or the context of some of these questions and as you continue to do that research and to try to answer that question on the behalf of your client I'm just going to say for everybody who's able to listen and tune in that God does not have any problems with us asking him questions. Oftentimes the problem that comes in is we ask questions, but we really don't want to hear his answer. Mm. We come to the table in prayer as though we are diligently looking for his response or for his answers, but in truth, what we really want him to do is to rubber stamp our own conclusion. Just go along with me. Just agree with me. Because I know I'm right. I need some justification for my position. Sometimes we don't want to really hear the answer because we are not ready for the following response from God. Because if he asks, if he answers certain questions in certain ways, he's going to remind us of that which we have been omitting or running from for a long time. 
Sometimes the reason why God has a problem with us asking questions is because we ask questions with an attitude. We ask questions with a sense that we are peers with God. We are his equals. That we got it like that. We can come to him any kind of way. But you can't come to God any kind of way and expect God to handle you a special way. If you were indeed in heaven and around that glassy throne and in the presence of the Lord, much of our attitude quickly run out the door. Much of our pride and egos would be deflated instantly because the angels, seraphims and the cherubims in heaven, in the presence of God all the time, never catch an attitude. They always acknowledge him as being holy of holies. But when we hear on this side, because we oftentimes come to the Lord in ego, pride, pompous nature, because we come to him in pain and ignorance. We get the big head. We feel like we can just handle him any kind of way. And then sometimes people say, well, God know, knows my heart. He, he knows how I am. So if I, in the midst of me talking with him, he don't mind me cussing because he knows that's just what I do. So that is to say, you could just, he'll just put any kind of, he does love you regardless. He is interested in hearing and having a conversation with you regardless. And your profane, your profanity or your words, they don't push him away. But what they do show is they do show that you have a lack of reverence and a lack of understanding for who it is that you're speaking with. Sometimes I want to ask God some questions, but I don't ask him certain questions because... To be honest with you, I, I want him to think I already know the answer. I already understand it. And in truth, his ways are far above man's ways, as far as the east is from the west. None of us understand his ways in his completeness nor his intention. Sometimes we don't ask God questions, or we do ask God questions, because we feel like we're on his left. Like we really understand anything. Each person that you have a question from struggle. Now we're supposed to play lawyer for the for these. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you don't see it. Don't do that to us. I want you in good heart and in good spirit and in the good Counsel, I want you to be able to answer to these <laughs> questions. I want you to have knowledge of the height, the width, and depth of why it is God asks these questions. The hope tonight is that when we have questions that we want to ask our Father, we will have better clarity as to how to approach him. 
and how to respond to whatever it is that he says and how to always stay in the position that gets the best answer. Sometimes we look at the questions that are found in the Bible and, and we shake our head and, in a condemning way. But when you really dig into the question and the person who the question was asked to, why and when the question was asked, you'll better understand that they're more closely resembling they more closely resemble us than we may initially believe. Twelve questions tonight. Twelve. <laughs> oh, I'm not thinking. <laughs> that means you focus, girl. That means you focus. As you look at this, I obviously did not know who would get what question, and I don't know who has what question. But I want you, if you can, and take the time and ask yourself, what if God asked you this question tonight concerning your wrong life? How would you answer it? And why might he ask you that question anyway? Is that another question to ask him or somebody else got that question? Yeah. No, nobody got that question. No, I might, you know, oh. not to be funny, but looking at my question right now, that's the response I would give because these not easy questions to answer. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be getting started with the questions in about two minutes. It's going to be in my brain. That's all I can say <laughs> right now. I hope your client has hired good representation tonight. <laughs> so are we supposed to be saying why our client is doing our, what I, our client should be answering? I want to know what is your client's answer. First of all, to the question, and then I may have, probably will have some follow-up questions. Mm. Oh, stuff. Let me look at this again. I will also leave the table open, of course, as, in, as we do Bible study. I will leave the table open for comments and questions and, that you might have to each other in regards to questions that will be answered.
All right, let's get started. I know. Not much time to prepare. Somebody asked a question. I'm going to give the uh, background to this question. The Lord wants to know at one point. He sees a lady by the name of Hagar. And Hagar is homeless. She had been under the auspices, under the household of Abraham, and she was the handmaid of Sarah, Abraham's wife. God had told Abraham that he was going to have a child. And at an old age, both Sarah and Abraham were found guilty of laughing when the angel told them that they would have a child. And so Abraham was all excited about it. And so it wasn't happening like this. He told him that he his child would be the father of many nations, which eventually turns out to be um, the nation of Israel. So, in his quest to make this happen, he became anxious, and his wife, Sarah, did not believe that at an old age, neither one of them could have children. And so in order to help appease or satisfy his excitement, she told Abraham to go in and sleep with my handmaid. She is young enough to birth you a child. Fast forward on that. She does have, becomes pregnant. But in the due course of time, so does Sarah. Oh, lady Sarah. Sarah has a child. Hagar has a child. Now there's a rivalry because in the household is the seed of Abraham. And the seed of Abraham as promised to him by God. It becomes a contentious household. Hagar and Sarah with their two children. And so finally, Sarah says basically to Abraham, she got to go. And Abraham tells Sarah, you and my son, our son together, have to leave. Sarah leaves from out of the household and out of the covering of her familiarity, out of the covering of what she had known for years, with fear and insecurity about herself, by her child. Because where are we going to go? Women didn't have jobs back in those days. They basically, they just kept the house and the children. That was a job. That's a job all by itself. But men did the work on those devils and brought in the income. Here Hagar is out. God comes to her and he asks her, who has this question? Who is her counsel for Sarah tonight? Who has that question? Raise your hand. Right. <laughs> 
She has chosen a good man. God asked Sarah a question. Sarah, I mean not Sarah, Hagar. Hagar. Yeah. He asked your client a question. Where are you going? Is that the only question or was that another one? Well, I have another question, but, not, but the one with Sarah was, uh, uh, where have you come from and where are you going? Ah, that's it. He asked the question, where have you come from and where are you going? To a homeless woman. My question is, how does your client answer God? Answer him that scripture. Come on. Oh, listen. What's the scripture? Let's 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 go to the uh, base scripture. Let's thank you for uh, calling it out. The scripture. Well, well that's that was the question that you're talking about. Where, where does the scripture? Is the scripture underneath that, right? Oh, the scripture is sixteen, uh, Genesis sixteen, verse eight. Genesis the sixteenth chapter, and the eighth verse. He asked. Sarah the question, he asked Hagar the question. Where have you come from? And where are you going? And I, I'm feeling some kind of way about that. that, that quick. <laughs> the scripture says, and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, oh, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. So one, her first response is to the first question. Is that she was running away. I'm running away from, from my mistress, Sarah. Sarah. All right. She was still Sarah. Is that the whole answer that she gave? That's it. Yep. But as far as the scripture goes. Yeah. All right, so um, where are you come? Where have you come from, and where are you going? See that that's well, not that's not a conclusive answer for me because it doesn't add it. It answers the first question, where have you come from? But I don't hear the answer to the second question is where are you going? So we need to know tonight, given her situation. I'm going out to die. Me and my child. I'm going out to die. Because we no, we have no one to care. We have no one to tend for us. No one to care for us. So we're going out to die. So I'm running from death to go die. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't running from death. I was. If you're running from Sarah, you're just living. I was. I was put out. I was put out. I was put out because she was jealous. Did you did your client do anything to cause her to be jealous? Or just it may not be written in the text, but um, you have a relationship with her. And I'd like to know uh, did she do anything to your knowledge that would cause Sarah to have ill feelings toward her? I, I think I think uh, my well, I believe my client was quite prideful that she was going to have a child. Abraham, for, for, for master. 
and his wife, the one who had this plan to give him an heir and give him a, a child, had to change her heart. Who, do, who does your client blame for her condition? Sarah. Why? And her husband, because that was their, that was their plot. It was their doing to want to have a child. So she takes no ownership in her situation. Sarah. Does Hagar take any ownership in her situation? This, I mean, her child was born first. It's not born yet, though. But a child is conceived yeah. first. Yeah, and now she's put up. Now she's to be ran off. Is this unreasonable? Should a man? Sure is. Sure is. Why? Because it was, it was their idea to have her. If she would not be pregnant with this child, it wouldn't have been their idea for her to be pregnant. She wasn't right. She, was still she wasn't right. So she went she, she went on with she was a slave. She, she was following orders. Yeah, she ain't had a choice. She was obedient. She was being obedient. So she's running from Sarah because she fears for her life? It's not that she's feared for her life, she's put out. She's well, told that she has to leave. Well Sarah She'll still have a life but she has to leave. So she's leaving out to go out there and die with her. With her and, and the baby that she's doing is conceived because there's no way she can take care of herself. Man. Is this fair? Is this fair? No, it's not. Why is God asking this question? Sister Petrie, I, I know that's not your question, but I'm just kind of wondering, you know. I, I think you have some depth. Why 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 is God asking her a question that he already knows the answer to? Mm -hmm. He knows, he knows certainly where she came from. Why is he asking the question, where have you come from? And he's connecting those two, where are you going? Why is he asking that question? Because he wants her to think on, what, on that question. Consider where you come from. What does and that, you, I don't understand. Do, and do you have any idea where you're going? And she doesn't. So like, He's going to tell her what to do to reverse where she's going, what she's doing. So when he asked her the question, and this is everyone, go ahead, bye. I think he's, I think God is asking her this question because he wants to help Because he already knows, he, I mean, he's all knowing, he is who he is. Hmm. He's asking, he's asking her this question, which he already knows the answer. He's asking her this question because he wants to help her. He wants that relationship. He wants that, that intimacy at that moment. So why, why this, is a very, this is a very important thing. It's interesting to me that God allows this to, to happen. Is there anybody who disagrees that God allows this situation to go forward? Mm -hmm. Does anybody disagree with that? Then if everybody's in agreement, God allowed this unfair situation to develop. He allowed the unfair situation to develop. 
And then after she had resigned herself to this doom and gloom, to this deathly fate, God steps in and asks her the question, where have you come from and where are you going? He speaks in this moment at her most vulnerable nature. He speaks at a moment where leaning on her own understanding concludes with death. And he establishes with her a relationship that she has never had with him before. Is it possible that in the household with Abraham and Sarah, that God could not have had the quality of relationship with Hagar and with her child eventually as he had if she was still in there. He will, he will, he will, he will allow unfairness in your life to cause you a separation from your comfort zone and from your familiarity and bring you and allow you to fall to your most vulnerable position to make sure you are clear that at this point in your life and eventually you'll see at every point in your life you've always been in his hands. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say and also to fulfill his purpose because you had two disobedient people that disobeyed what God told them well, the only way that's going to be fulfilled is him using Sarah in that situation, which she didn't know that was her purpose, but he knew what her purpose was for. Now, what was, what was the, what was the, and I could spend a long time on this, but I got to move on. What, in hindsight, as representative of Sarah, what in hindsight did you conclude? Because the more of the story has God vowing or covenanting with Hagar that not only is he going to bless Abraham's seed, Israel, mm -hmm. but he's also going to bless his seed with Hagar. Mm -hmm. Which is to say this, that even in the unfairness of life, God can take what is unfair and what is seen as being unfair or that which is seen unpleasant or not good and he can make it work out for the good in fact for the best than it ever would have been without mm -hmm. Who told you you were naked? That's our second question tonight. Mm -hmm. Who has this challenge? Question. Sister, oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 9. Genesis 3 and 9. Uh oh. Oh, okay. 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 O
in the in the good. Genesis three eleven. Three eleven. Something in nine and something in eleven. But <laughs> Genesis three and eleven. Here's the here's the here's the background on that. So there, there Adam and Eve, as the well known um, happen here. Adam and Eve in the garden of, of Eden were told by God, you can eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they are tempted and they eat of the tree. After eating of the tree, they realized that they had no clothes on. Now, since the creation and since they were formed from the dust of the earth with Eve coming, being formed from Adam's rib, they had never had fig leaves on, as the movies might suggest, and they never had any clothes, and they never sought such items. They walked freely. But after they ate from the tree, when God was passing through, though God is always present, but as he is passing through, they're nowhere to be found. So he calls out to Adam, and he says these words, Adam, wherefore art thou? Deke, I could have given you that question right there. <laughs> Adam, where, where are you? And so they come from out of their hiding in their cupboard, and he looks at them, and he asked him the question, why, why are you hiding? And they said, because we are naked. And God asked the question, now who told you you was naked? <laughs> uh, we, were, we at this table really want to know, uh, how does your, your, your client respond to, to such a question coming from God? Who told you that you were naked? They asked for something and they saw them. I mean, nobody really told them. I don't know what naked is. Yeah. The question. You ain't from that too? <laughs> she, she, your answer is nobody told them that they were naked. Their eyes were open and they saw nakedness for themselves. But I want, I, I, I want you to look at this from a deeper perspective as their representative. Who hmm. told them that they were naked? Because when you say naked, if you don't know what naked is, if you don't know what naked is, then who defined that? Who defines nakedness for Adam and Eve, your clients? Who defines? I mean, why did they cover themselves if they didn't feel? <clears throat> they cover themselves according to. Um... I'm not disagreeing with your answer uh, because your answer is on point and it is correct. Who told them? I'm gonna do this to the general. Uh, class like who told them that they wouldn't make it right? The enemy. The enemy. 
The enemy, enemy. Hold on, now listen to her answer because it, there might, there might, we might need to include some of that in the the answer to that question because her answer is when they ate from the fruit. Their eyes were open. Now you're taking that from the text, aren't you? When they ate from the fruit, their eyes were open. So how does their eyes opening contribute to the answer and to the conclusion that I'm making? How does... How, that's a very perplexing question for me. How does that contribute to that, that to, 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 to this awareness or to this definition of my condition? How does it contribute to the definition of my condition? Hold on. I think we need to back up and ask the question. What was the name of the tree? The tree of uh, the, the true The tree of the knowledge. Of good and evil. Why is does the fruit influence, or how does the fruit influence their perception? How does the fruit influence their perception? Because they respond by saying. When we ate of the fruit, our eyes were open and we saw that we were naked. The enemy said, God knows that if you eat of this tree, you'll be just like him. Hold on. I think I'm understanding. Maybe this. Suggest this to your client. Maybe... One of the reasons why it is that he didn't want us to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was because to understand good and evil completely, you have to know God. And the only way that you can know God that thoroughly is you have to be God. And so all this time they were walking around, running around, all of these things, never ever feeling, sensing, fearing nakedness. They were in agreement and harmony. They were good with their condition. But when they ate from the fruit, it opened up a door that never should have been opened. Well, why? Because you can be so smart, you're dumb. This whole, think about this whole influx of knowledge and awareness coming in to our little tiny brains. Is it, what happens when you have a 20 amp 
but you shoot through it 100 amps of power at one time. What's going to happen? You're going to blow it up and shut it down. Is it unusual to believe that there wasn't some kind of shutdown, some type of blockage, when all of this knowledge slammed into it? And then now you have around you one who is the master of deceit. And, by the way, that one that's around you is against God. So they were already in a very, very difficult position. So then when, when God asked him, so let me go, he asked him the question, who told you that you were naked? Do you, how do you think, this is where everyone, how do you think God felt about their condition and about their, their new clarity? How do you think God felt about that? The, the nature of God, he can't deal with sin. Yeah. So you think God was just, he just saw the sin and that was it? No, I think he was no, angry. He, no, no, angry at who? At uh, Adam and Eve. Like they listened to, well, he listened to what the serpent said and said that, uh, you know, just like God. You know, what do you think, let me just say, what do you think hits God first from our disobedience? Do you think what hits first is his anger and his wrath? Or do you think he is hurt because he understands the ramifications of what this is going to do? I think he hurt. So, so, so in God's pain and hurt with our disobedience, we oftentimes mistaken his wrath as just him just wanting to kill us and destroy us. When really he's trying to just as a real loving parent does who disciplines their children, he's trying to associate bad choices with bad consequences so that we will have a greater appreciation for good choices because we want the good consequences. Hmm. Were they naked? I'm asking you that question. Were they naked? Going to a body. I know that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. That's what the Bible says. You know, looking at it as a parent, a parent and a child, when you uh, when you try to prevent your children from, you try to tell them things to prevent them from getting into trouble, and then they do the get into trouble. You know, you, and you look at them and you think, you know, how they could have spared themselves what they have to go through if they would have only listened. Yeah. And you know, you could think of God looking at Adam and Eve and said, you know, I had it all set up for you. You know, you had everything that you needed. You didn't have to do anything, just be here, you know, live and whatever. But now look what you've done. So now I know what I yeah. have to do. Let, let, me, let me suggest this out to you. Uh, and then we'll have to move on to the next question. But then I want to suggest that you sometimes when I was a kid growing up, I remember very clearly around about the time when I learned nakedness. When I learned my own personal nakedness. And I was I was I was quite young, but I still I remember it because 
Uh, my mother had company over. <laughs> I know you did. I about us running so I would I would jump out the tub. My mom always take it, say, take your dirty clothes and put and put them on the washing machine. Take your dirty clothes and put them on the washing machine. So I would leave about the bathroom and go take my clothes and put it on the washing machine. Because that's what she told us to do. So one day I did that. And she I don't even know how old I was. You don't want to tell No, I don't want to tell you anyway. <laughs> so at the age of twelve no. <laughs> Not that, not that. So, so I remember, I remember as I passed in front of her, and for the first time she fussed at me about something that I had done all the time. This time she did it because she had somebody in the house. Company. She had company. And she said to me, Don't be coming out of here with our clothes on. And it dawned upon me. She said it because I was naked. Then I felt like I had violated myself and violated my mother. I'm going to tell you that you're more naked than you realize. And the more you realize that you're naked, then the more fearful you become. Some of us don't know how naked our health is, how naked our finances are. We don't know how naked our children are. We don't know how naked our minds are. We don't know because nakedness is more than just an outer or exterior condition. It's even harsher on the inside. And because we don't Ours is not revealed to us, it's out of the open. Like God revealed it to Adam and Eve. He knew, but he knew of the, uh, the sin, but he wanted them to understand, I think, the sin that they were in. Yes, sir. What's in your hand? Not what's in your wallet. What's in your hand? This question is asked to Moses. Moses is an ex-prince of Egypt in exile. God calls him on an occasion when he sees a burning bush. It's burning, but it's not being burned. He realizes that this is a supernatural event occurring. He goes to God. God speaks to him. And God tells him, I want you to go back to where you came from. I want you to go back to Egypt and I'm going to send you and you're going to be my spokesperson to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. They have been crying out to me for hundreds of years. Now that they have become the slaves of the Egyptians, they have been tormenting and praying for deliverance and I have promised them that I was going to send them a deliverer. And today, it shall come to pass. Moses, 
you are that person. Moses struggles with that because Moses has a stuttering problem or a speech problem. And so he wonders, he says, I've been in this exile for a long time and, 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 and for me to go back there and stand before Pharaoh and even though they may recognize me, even though my people there will recognize me, you want me to tell them what? I want you to go there and tell Pharaoh these words. Let my people go. Well, that sounds good. But number one, Pharaoh ain't going to hardly just say, okay. And even beyond that, the people that I am representing, your people, my people, when I go back there, they won't even accept me, even as the ex-prince of Egypt. They're not going to accept me because I have no authority. I have no power. I have, I have no army coming from out of the, the, the desert to help set and liberate them. So I'm feeling some kind of way. Why would they believe me? And then God asked Moses, who asked Moses? I do. Took the Where is this found at? Uh, Exodus 4 and 2. Mm -hmm. He asked Moses these, this question. He says to Moses, what's in your hand? Mm -hmm. And Moses answers, a rod. A rod. Do you think your client was scared? Mm -hmm. I think my client was suffering from mm -hmm. disbelief. From disbelief. He didn't believe God's word because God had already told him that they were going to listen to him. Was he, was he in, was he totally convinced that he was talking to God or did he think he was? Hey, I think he knew he was talking to God. You think he was pretty much talking to so like, like God, like like the like the real true and the living God. Not half fish and half man God, not not Zeus or or, or some other mythological. Uh, he knew. He spoke with him before. He knew. So he was he was he was adamant, he was convinced that this was the true and the living God. So the living God, an all-powerful God, all-knowing God, all-present God, is now conversating with him and telling him to go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He is concerned because God asked him when he said, when he asked the question, well, what am I going to say to them? Because I've read the, 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 the transcript. He says, what am I going to say just to the Israelites, what I'm going to just say to our people, my people, when, I, when we have this great meeting and I tell them what I see in the desert and what I sense and I'm here and they're not going to believe me and what am I going to tell them? And then the, he was asked by God the question, what is in your hand? And he said correctly, a rock. I'm just kind of curious. Even after the conversation, I'll fast forward. Does he walk away from the conversation 
convinced that this thing going to work out. Well, after he saw what he used the rod for and what happened with the rod, then, you know. Okay. But, 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 but this is still an insult on some level. For, I, for most people. An insult? This is an insult. It's an insult because you got me out here with a stick. Hey, but. They got chariots, thousands of chariots. And he's forgetting who got him out there. With all due respect to God, but this this a lot of people. One, one I'm gonna be criticized, I'm gonna look stupid. Surely you, surely your client thought he was gonna look stupid in front of his own kin people. Just think about it. Out there, hey, I'm here to save y'all. What you got, Moses? An army for the desert? Look, I got this trusty stick. I mean, am I? Maybe I'm just old players. I'm gonna ask people at the, at the, at the table. Is anybody in here? here? I mean, would you feel confident? How, how confident would you feel? Masses of people, yes, and you're there by yourself, yes, and telling them you have this rod here. I mean, they're looking at you like, and <laughs> look, you might have killed, you might have killed an Egyptian one time, but you ain't no spring chicken, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You you ain't gonna be able to have. And what you gonna do? You gonna strike the pharaoh in the face? <laughs> yes. Let him go. Yeah. But what Come you gonna on. do with the rest of yeah. them? You know? <laughs> yeah. Why? Pity. God ever put you in, in just like this, like, really, God? You know, has that spirit ever come on you? Really? Like, really? You got me out here bad. Really? Mm -hmm. How you feel about that? That's a... Feels more like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody ever hit me with a stupid Looking at us, talking to herself and in herself. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what it does do for each one of us. It lets you know, even though he shows you that he comes through time and time again, you still turn around and be fearful and doubt sometimes. Uh, so you be talking to yourself and <laughs> Well, because at those moments you're actually facing what you know, whatever the problem is. You're, you're questioning whether or not it's not only the uh, best decision, but, you know, whether or not, you know, even if God, well, let's say if God did talk to you, you're still questioning whether or not, okay, am I just crazy? Yeah. This is a good point to bring. Because yeah. it does make you wonder that I hear from That's why I asked you the question about do the, does, he, does he believe that this is the real true God or is he having a hallucination as the heat got into him or whatever but you say that you believe he walks away totally convinced here's my uh, I'm a, I want to ask this question uh, Brian and to this young man here Brian what I want to ask the two of you is why does God send him with the minimum when Michael was available Gabriel was available. A whole multitude of the heavenly host was available. They could have walked right up into Egypt and said, 
hey, I'm Moses. Y'all ain't got to do nothing for me, but look what's behind me. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And that alone would have been strong enough in my heart, I believe, if God would have represented like that. Really? Angels with flaming swords? But God uses ordinary things and people to do extraordinary things. To see who he really is. Why does he? Yeah. So yeah, he, he, he does, and you are correct. I can't go against that, but it just seems to me that it would have helped Moses position out if God would have come hard like that. And that would have been some great Bible reading, by the way. <laughs> Why? Why? Wouldn't, don't you agree with me? Well, yeah. you see what it would do by him sending Moses like he was sending Moses? In the end, it was going to bring him all the glory and all the other nations. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, you, yeah. When you say oh, him all the glory, you don't mean God. Moses. No, God. 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 Him all the glory and other nations is going to fear. Well, fear Moses is God. And just as Brian's saying is that, I mean, if he was sent up a whole army, okay, yeah, you got this mic. But I'm sitting in the least amongst you, and look at what he's doing in my name. You know, that's showing uh, not only the mercy, his mercy, but his might also. Mm -hmm. If you can bring one man, you know, to bring down an army, I mean, how powerful are you then? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if I bring a whole army, and this one man takes down my army, I mean. So, so watch me. God didn't, God didn't even, see, if we lean on our own understanding. Out of fear, they have this acting will, will be used by the enemy to suggest scenarios or narratives or the end of the story that ain't gonna have ever come to pass. We have we have imaginations of evil and horrible torture and stuff that never come to pass. Some of our concerns do come to pass. But boy, we got some imaginations when it comes down to fear. Mm -hmm. And the enemy just manipulates us like a puppet. Mm -hmm. But here's the, here's the deal on that. Number one, you said correctly, God chose the best man. One of the reasons why he chose Moses as the best man is because the Bible says that God saw Moses as being the most humble man mm -hmm. in the world, in the earth. So that's a powerful statement right off the jump. But here he goes also. Remember Gideon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how he whittles down Gideon's mm -hmm. army yeah, to 300. Hold on, but you missed the power in the story. It wasn't just the 300 and God got the glory. But realize in both of these incredible conflicts, no man died on the Lord's side. Watch me. Watch me. God does not use what he don't have to. That's a hard thing for my mind and my intelligence to grasp. Because I think you need a cannonball to kill a fly. But when you're dealing with God, omniscience, Omnipotent. When you're dealing with God, God uses the minimum and maximizes. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. 
Even Jesus said, the least shall be the greatest, the greatest shall be the least. So I'm saying, there was no need to bring Gabriel. There was no need to call up Michael. There was no need to bring a half of heaven to host. There was no need of all of those things. The staff, the rod, was enough. Point behind that I'm going to make to Moses from this, to all of us is if God commands you to do something, he supplies every need. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to understand how he's going to do it. Just let his will be done. And we already have the ability, but we don't recognize it. Like you said, Moses was a sheep, led sheep, which the staff. He had the ability to lead people already. God just enhanced it for him to use, to use other people. Did you eat other fruit? If I didn't, if I didn't have that uh, that that knowledge of you know of good and evil, and I just trusted what God told me, I would just went out there with the staff, no questions asked, and did what He told me to do. There you go. You know, but now I have this knowledge. I'm questioning. Well, what is this staff going to do for me? You know, what I'm just swaying in what to hit a couple people and everybody going back down. This is you know this is impossible. So I'm a question. You know, these actions at that point. I mean, there's fear there because I'm facing me and I'm by myself. You know, and when I look behind me, it looks like nobody's behind me, you know, to help me out. Mm. But he's there. You know, we just don't see, you know, at the time. Uh, not to bring up something uh, a little personal, it, it was something that my mother told me uh, as she was passing. And as you were talking like this, that's why I got quiet. But uh, she told me, uh, you know, when she was, you know, sick and on her deathbed, she said, baby, uh, you're going to go through, you know, you're one of the people that have to go through it. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, instead of, she said, God put the answer right down the side of you, but you, you don't see it. You're going to go through it. She said, mama's going to be there with you. But when you look down on the side of you, that answer's always been there. Do it, and I didn't understand exactly what she meant at the time. And like my sister can testify, I've gone through it. I've gone through a lot, and I'm not saying that it's over or anything like this. But uh, I hear what she's saying now. Is she is she saying to you? I'm just wondering. Is she saying to you what she's saying to you? What's in your hand? Yeah. Cause it, you have. It, you have the answer. You may not know how to use it, yeah. and you may not know how it's going to be used, but you have, you have the answer. You yeah. have what you need. And that's what, and that's pretty much, you know, I mean, at the time, she was telling me, I mean, and I'm like worried about her trying to get her back together, you know, on her feet or whatever, but I didn't understand exactly what she meant, that the answer's right here by me, and that I was going to go through it, you know, and... Since that time, I've had a rough road, rough road. And the funny thing is, when I was uh, in the hospital, I, for the first time, actually heard her, what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard what she was saying to me. And it's been kind of hard. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. 
But, you know, uh, and that's why, you know, some of what you were saying tonight, you know, and I even hesitate when you gave me the questions because I said in the, in the last few months, well, you know, last month I'll say, there's been a lot of answers that's been coming at, you know, coming at me that I just, you know, things that she had told me that I didn't hear at the time. And, Please some time. Yeah. Please some time. I'm here right now, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes, oh, no. you know, the farmer, the farmer may not ever see the seed mm -hmm. come to fruition. Sure. And the farmer gonna be good with that. Mm -hmm. The reason why the farmer is gonna be good without seeing the seed come to harvest is because he didn't just plant the seed for himself. Sometimes he has planted this seed for his children. Mm -hmm. Next question. Did you eat of the fruit? Uh, Don't lie. <laughs> Tell the truth. Have you eaten from this is Garden of Eve. This is Adam and Eve. Have you eaten from the tree? Don't eat the home? Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I'm reading. Yes, that's the literal question, but it's it's the same question I'm asking. Okay. Yeah. I'm just paraphrasing. So have you eaten? This is God asking Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden concerning. When he asked the question, who told you you were naked? They say, well, sorry. Have you eat when you were hiding? Did you eat from the, did you eat from when God asked your client, did you eat from the fruit that I told you not to eat from? What was his answer? Where is this from? Okay, Genesis 3, 12. Genesis 3. Uh, Genesis, yeah, chapter 3, verse 12. She gave it to me. Go ahead. I, and the, the scripture says, the man said, the woman you put here with me? <laughs> Bro, I don't know why you got that question. I'm just saying. <laughs> and look at that penny. I'm going to leave that out. But go on. She gave me some food. I ate it. It was missing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God asked Adam this question. <laughs> it was her. So I want to add this is what I want to know up front. Okay. Because I'm pleading this case. I, I, you, yes, you are. And I'm, I'm <laughs> acting on the behalf of the judge. Uh, why you didn't ask my question? <laughs> why did your client not answer my question? I didn't ask you nothing about Eve. I didn't ask him anything about Eve. What I asked him was, did you eat from the tree? Did you eat that fruit? You know what fruit I'm talking about. I know what fruit I'm talking about. Why are you looking around at Eve? Why are your client looking at Eve when I'm asking your client a question, a personal question? So in behalf of my client, yes, Lord, Father, for you knew all things. <laughs> That is not what he said. He did not say that. He said, I want to know, I want to know 
why did he not answer the question? Now you saying something else. You trying to answer the question. I want to know why. Answer my question. He didn't answer the question because he was guilty. So you put the blame on a man. The other he, man. He was guilty. Then he should have manned up. <laughs> but he was speaking to God. And? And that was the first time ever that he was disobedient and he didn't know how to act. So the only thing he could do is just try to try to shift. But he didn't even ship it to the woman, he shipped it to God. He said the woman you gave me. Oh, that's a good point. Thank you, thank you. That's my counsel over there. Listen, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. What he really said was the woman that thou gave me. Oh no, you, you can't talk about <laughs> You can't talk about your class. You bad representation, man. Well, no, not my client. I'm talking about the woman. Oh, you talking about the woman was no good. No good woman did that. Yeah, but why you? Oh, so so you really you really ask as you blaming God. Your client blamed God. Because he said that the that the woman thou gavest me. He wasn't even he wasn't even fussing about the woman's judgment. He was fussing about God's judgment. Y'all want to hear that? Yeah, he want to hear. Sister Peter, I don't think he wanted to hear that. He turned on God, the woman you gave. The woman thou gavest me. See, that was the fruit made him yeah. do that. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's gonna say, she gave it to me to eat. Yeah. And so I ate it. But he was right there. He could have corrected her. I ain't even had to eat. He sure could have. He could have said, you know, God said, Speak for the women. That's, That's right, Penny. That's he right. Ate it. That's right. He was right next to her. Right, you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're climbing. You're climbing.
Where were you? Yeah. Okay. When I formed the world. This question goes out to Job. And Job is struggling because he, he's lost all of his children. He's lost his substance. And he's struggling. He's now even, he looks like a, a hill of bumps. Boils from the top of his head with the sole of his foot. He has no comfort. The ashes bring him just a little easiness, but he smells and he's cut his hair off. He's, his friends come to visit him and they sit in with him and they just look at him for days. Nobody says it, they just look at each other and think. They look at each other and think, and they're not thinking. The healthiest thoughts, and in their minds, they are trying to make sense. They're trying to make it make sense. Because if a man say he's good and shows himself or puts himself up in public as being good, but yet is tortured by the hand of God, so it seems. Loses everything. It must mean he ain't he ain't all he's been talking about. Man, you said he, he ain't he ain't you know he good at looking like a good man, but there's something rotten in the core of the apple. And so he questions God. I'm going to bring in two questions now at the same time. First question, first question is, where were you when I formed? Because he's asking God, why? Won't you just let me die? Why didn't, why didn't, you, why didn't you kill me? Or have somebody kill me the day of my birth? If, you, if this, is, this is what you brought me here for, to be in this misery. You brought me to, 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 to have all this happiness and then yank it from under me. That's kind of cruel. I'm in pain. I'm torturing my friends about me. So the two questions is, one, who darkens, who darkens my word, my counsel with their ignorance? And question number two, where were you when I formed the foundations of the earth. All of these deal with Job. One who darkens your counsel comes when his friends, or so-called friends, look at him after days of watching and staring at each other, and they say to him, surely this came upon you because you've done something wrong. And people will cause you to question the truth based upon their own ignorance. It's true, it's true. So that's why he asked the question, who counsels you? Who has darkened my word in you? Using their own ignorance. And then the second question comes as he struggles with his condition and trying to understand why it's so. 
And he wants to approach God and say to him, well, why didn't you just kill me? If you're going to kill me gradually by taking everything from me, why didn't you just, why all of these things? And so God responds to him and says, well, if you feel like you have the credits to ask me questions, let me ask you a question. Where were you? You my peer, you my equal, where were you? Who asked question that says, darker? Where's the time, my brother? Yeah. Uh, that is Job 38, uh, 2. Okay. Uh, second verse. Mm -hmm. And what I got out of that are my counsel, which I probably would use to the, uh, the argument. But uh, it's like, it's like he's, uh, he's questioning what he's going through. You know, it's like he's like, okay, well, why am I, you know, why am I meant to go through this? Why am I, you know, this is, you know, I've done nothing that, you know, I know of, but I'm being made to suffer. And it's like, God's like, well, if you feel, you know, it's almost like, well, if you can ask, if you can ask me this, then I can ask you this. Answer this for me, and then you'll have your answer. So, so but, but let, me, let me kind of go back more to your question as opposed to the second question. Here, here's a question that he asked. Your client, Job, he wants to know. He doesn't want to know the names of the people. Mm -hmm. But what he really is concerned is, why is your client allowed for the voices of ignorant people to prevail over the wisdom that I have given him? Yeah. What, what's his excuse for that? I'm not even asking you. Why are they doing that? That's not what I'm asking. That's not what I want to know from you. What I want to know is because I, I, I know you. I know your client. I know Joe. I have known Joe. I myself declare Joe to be a righteous man. I myself, and I define righteousness. I define good. I define what, is, what, what, what should happen. I'm, the, I'm God. But your client even with his relationship with me, has allowed for the voices of ignorance to bring him into this darker place where he now sits here to try to act like he can ask me yeah, well. such things. Well, why, why, why? How does he answer that question? Not to God, but how does your client answer that question to himself? Why are you listening? Yeah. That's why I said I'll probably lose the case. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a kind of a, a kind of tough. Uh, and this is pretty much what I got out of it, what uh, God was asking him, and it was almost, well, from what I got out of it, it's not a question that he could answer, uh, you know, directly ask, you know what I'm saying? Well, so why do you think God asked, why does God ask him the question? If he really can't answer, because God doesn't care about the names of the people. Yeah, uh, but the only thing, like I said, the only thing I can assume uh, is because I want to see what he, you know, what he uh, thinks, you know, what, he, what, how can I put this? You know, um... 
His own inner, what is your own inner justification? Exactly, you know. For allowing yourself to be open. Yeah, because, you know, God already knows the answer to it, but what, you know, how would you put this? I want you to, I want you to stop being his lawyer for a moment. I'm going to ask you a question directly. Uh, yeah. Why, 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 oh, one, how susceptible are you to the voices of ignorance? Whether they be physical or spiritual, me? Yes. Very. Why? Uh, it's not like you don't have a relationship. Look at me. It's not like you don't have a relationship with God. Uh, yes. It's not. It's, it's not like He has not put His word in your heart. You have some prayer. I'm not saying you know everything about the Bible mm -hmm. and all the ways God. I get that. But it's not like you don't know truth. But you allow for voices, physical and spiritual, to darken your wisdom. Why? Why? It's, uh, that's kind of hard to uh, really answer. But you know, one, you have the physical, like you know, let's say, and I'm not saying you know she's, you know, but as an example, you know, you have somebody telling you, you know, like, well, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, you need to, you know, change this. And then you have your self-doubts, you know, and that's kind of hard to battle against. And you may have, you know, like he had God on his side, but you have a lot of internal struggles that so, you so, have to deal so, with. So, so here's the, you, you now, I'm, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking, asking your client through you. You would let pain, struggle, lack, loss, and your own ignorance. Define what's going on. Speaking from experience, I have. Mm -hmm. I have to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I have. And it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's difficult, you know, and I'm speaking, you know, for myself, but it tends to be a little difficult to block out all this extra noise that you hear, both internally and externally. You know, I mean, even if you have, you, it's almost like, like my mother said, you, you know the answer, you know, but you got all this other stuff in your way that you have to go through, that you have to bypass, get past in order to see what's already do you there. Want, do you want God to be right? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm do asking. I want him to don't, be right? Don't answer. Oh, no, no, no. Do, you, do, do you want, in all situations, do you want God to be right? I don't, I'm no, not asking you. No, no. Personally, no. I'm going to say no because. Yeah, Okay. I, that means that what I was thinking and I was trying to do was not the right path to take. You it's know, hard. So I have to question myself and my actions. My, and it's hard for my pride. About, it's hard for my pride to accept some things that he was, even though he's right about all things, I don't want him to be yeah, right about something because I've been hard pressed that these things were going to be right when they turn out to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of like, you know, hey, I'm, well, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like, if it goes wrong, you know, it's kind of hard to admit that you were wrong. And, uh, you know, you'll come up with many excuses about it. Well, if I did this, or if I did it because, and when the simple answer is, you were wrong. You should have done it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to the next question but, because y'all ran me out. My thing is, with all he was going through, I mean, most people would question God. 
He lost his family. His health was in the worst. It's like, why would somebody do this to me that really care about me? Would most people take, allow at that moment to allow, the devil allow devil other people to come to and do tell that them? To yeah, start questioning. You, yeah, was, you, question. was, you know, and he ain't go through one thing. He ain't lost one child. He ain't lost everything right. he had. He ain't yeah. had balls on his body. He ain't, you know what I'm saying? Well, the devil, the devil knows <laughs> our vulnerabilities and he ain't come yeah. there too well. All right, last question I'm going to use tonight. I know there's a couple of more out there, maybe, but I'm the last one out of time. And that is, the question is, uh, somebody had, where were you? Where are you? Yeah, where? Genesis 3-9. What's that all about? Where are you? Where are you? 
then it means you don't know where I am. And if you don't know where I am because I am purposefully hiding, then it seems to suggest to me that I am doing a good job at evading you knowing where I am. Do you have the right to be angry? Oh, 
Who we say that to? And where that came from? It's from Josh. I mean, uh, Jonah. From Jonah. Jonah oh, yeah. I remember the question. Real quickly, what, what was that scripture? Uh, do you have the right to be angry? Do you have the right to be angry? Jonah, call to go to the Ninevites. Boy, that was a message. Yes, I wouldn't want to go neither. Go to the man. Go to the man. And 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 he doesn't want to go. So he goes and he preaches 40 days together with Ninevites. Be destroyed. They repent. And God does not bring the wrath. He doesn't destroy it. And he's angry. The preacher is angry. That the people were saved. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the crazy Yeah, yeah. The preacher was angry that the people were saved because of his son. Well, he, well he, now, what kind of stuff is that? Yeah, because <laughs> he, he really thought that the Ninevites. Yeah, I know what you wanted to say, the N word. I'm going to listen to you. He really thought the Ninevites wouldn't have wanted to accept the word because mm -hmm. it was so much stuff. Does your client have the right to be angry? Did you really? If you wanted to be. No, 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 no. I didn't say, did he, did he become angry? I didn't ask you if he wanted to be angry. I'm asking you, did he have the right? No, he didn't have the right to be angry. Because that was God's doing. And it means he was mad at God. But he could claim, I would say he could claim, that those were not the children of Israel. He could claim that they did not recognize Yahweh. They were a pagan nation. He could claim that they were the enemies to the church as the church was in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. So I'm just saying, he could claim all of those things. So, so then, why should he be angry? Because you're helping the enemy. Can hmm. anybody help me with that answer? Did he have a right to be angry? No, he no. ain't had the right to be angry because he was more in himself. Because he was on, he was supposed to be going and do what God told him to do, and then he—that's the one that was in the well. Yes, well, he ran. So, but does he have the right to be angry? No, he ain't got no right so to what? be angry because the people got saved and stuff like that. But gee, God helping the enemy. Yeah, but why, why be angry for saving somebody, you know, for saving someone or someone understanding what you're saying? You don't save the enemy, man. You don't save the enemy. Is it the ones I've been that, That's what I'm trying to save. You know, yeah. why save the enemy? What a question yeah. is. Why save the saved man? You know, I mean, if the man is already saved, what good are you doing? True. You know, why yeah. save the saved man? But, you know, I ain't bringing you the day to ask me any questions now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's a good question, a very good question. So, let me just say, what we don't know is that this became the root of the true and the living God having a real presence in this important city of Nineveh. Eventually, within time, this populated, well-populated city would become a hub for the Lord and the Lord's work. 
You mad because of the past. But God considers the past, the present, and the future when he makes a decision. You ain't got the right to be angry because they may be your enemies, but they're still God's people, God's children. So just keep your mouth shut. Don't get mad. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you do not know him, I want to encourage you to give your life to him today. Jesus died but he rose. And he lived a life that was an example and is an example to us. You need to rededicate your life. That means you were saved at an earlier age but you know and we do go astray. God still loves us. You need to rededicate your life. You know, renew your strength and restore your joy. And welcome you back. Open arms. You know, remember this church family. We want to unite our Christian experience. We open up our arms. And truly we extend a big heart. And we say whosoever will let them come. Because they'll want to know. God bless you. May he keep you. No, we've been a little long tonight, but hmm. we started it. We did. I knew you was doing that. I was like, oh, please don't make a call. Are there any announcements? Well, I, you can leave. You put these questions back into this dusty box. Let's stand.